1: Welcome to Late Lunch at the start of Christmas week. I have to say I absolutely love this week every year and have always done on the show and wouldn't miss it for the world, I promise you. This day week... We'll be all tucking in. Well, so much as I say, tucking at this time. Maybe a little bit, a little bit later, we'd also have to say, around the three o'clock mark or so, anyway, after a big breakfast early on. But yes, we've just a week to go to Christmas Day, and we have a fantastic lineup for you on the show this week here on LMFM Radio. Uh, very much seasonal, I have to say, and more besides. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, don't forget the usual numbers 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text every week competition as well for you there's uh the eagles you know the eagles a celebration of the eagles coming up locally i'll tell you more about that in a little while as well more kids cards for kelly have arrived today and christmas puddings you still have time to drop the christmas pudding into me We'll be organising things tomorrow, so we'll we'll take them up to tomorrow morning. I said they close the business this evening, but if you if you're not in and I've more have arrived today, thank you so much for them. Yes, we are crowning the best Christmas pudding in the Northeast on Wednesday with our Women with Opinions. So if you thought you were a little late, you have until four o'clock today or tomorrow morning as early as you can would we'll do as well. We're judging on the Wednesday, but we have to think sort out things tomorrow. Now today on the show, I begin with a fellow that. I knew as a whippersnapper with St. Peter's Mail Voice Choir. And if you had uh, occasion to visit the wonderful Scholars Townhouse in Drogheda, you would have come across him there as well. And then he headed off to study. But, you know, we always knew that music was Sean Tester's destiny. And he has big news for us. Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, Derry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Great to talk to you this afternoon. Well, tell them, this is absolutely wonderful. I'm delighted for you. You're not in Ireland at the minute.
2: I'm not in Ireland. No, I am away for Christmas. Um, I am over here in Fribourg in Switzerland um, at the moment. And um, what's happening? And, and, and. Um, I got um, an offer last week um, to learn a new opera role and to fly over to Switzerland to to play the role in William Tell here in Fribourg. Uh, we opened just before uh, New Year's Eve. The 29th of December is our first night, so... It's all very exciting.
1: So you are going to play Rodolphe in uh, William Tell in Freiburg in I Switzerland, am. and this is your first international operatic performance.
2: It is indeed, yes. So up until now, so I, I made the, the t- decision in August uh, to go full time um, into to opera singing as, as a career. Um, and I haven't looked back since. I've had amazing opportunities with Irish National Opera singing in the chorus for Faust and La Boheme and William Tell last year. Um, and then this role came out of the blue. So to to have the opportunity so early on to make both a role debut because it's a brand new role for me and also my international debut is absolutely
1: incredible. So you don't mind missing Christmas at home with the mammy or anything like that? No,
2: no, not in the days <laughs> where we've modern technology. We can do we can do the face time. I think I think mam is at home a little more upset than I am over here. <laughs>
1: Oh, listen, Sean, we're delighted for you. This is well, huge. I'll, I'll definitely be FaceTiming in for, for Christmas dinner. <laughs> you will indeed. And you'll have to imagine <laughs> the taste and the smells of the turkey, etc. But That's look, it, at, yeah. look, at at. look why wouldn't you be delighted to miss it when you are shaping up for this wonderful opera? So uh, between now and the 29th, there'll be a lot of work to be done in putting the production together. And then you run from the 29th of December, I know, until the 7th of January there in That's Freiburg it, yeah. in Switzerland. Yeah, Look at it. Uh, as I said, I, I came across you first as a whippersnapper with the choir, St. Peter's Male Voice Choir. Mm-hmm. You know, and and everybody knew that you were destined for something in music. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Um, but you took a little aside. You were you were at the accountancy for a while, were you? It was it was law. I was at Jerry. Oh, sorry, law. your pardon. law, law, law. Yeah, law, law. yeah. It was
2: law. I was at so when you know, kind of from from leaving school. Um, I, I suppose, Mum had always been. Been the one with the the logical head on, and get get a stable career behind me before I did anything with the music. And I, I followed that advice, and and originally did veterinary nursing out of uh, out of school, and then went on to to do uh, law. Um, and I loved it, but it wasn't my my passion. And um, all along, it, it's been music. So this past summer has been um really incredible for me the blackwater valley opera festival down in lismore um, very very graciously gave me their next generation award so uh, they, they've given me a bursary to, to cover the entire course of masters in music for the next two years at the royal irish academy and at the same time i got the coursework with irish national opera so when those two things came together i took it as a big sign from the universe that now is my time to to really give it my all and and thankfully it, it seems to be paying off so far
1: They're going to have to change the name of that song, I Fought the Law and the Law Lost, in this case. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when we saw you as a young fella, and of course you've had your own solo shows over the year and you've you've, you've sung solo pieces with the choir, with Celine Byrne, you are renowned uh, for singing, uh, accompanying her when she's come to draw her, especially on that song, Barcelona. The two of you are uh, famous for it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's it. it. It seems to have really hit home with, with with everyone who comes to the concert. It's it's a real hit um, in in Drogheda, and and like that with St. Peter's Male Voice Choir. I've had so many incredible opportunities to to sing with different people through the years, to sing with different orchestras through the years, um, to to get experience. You know, singing in 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 bigger venues and things like that. So you know that that's all been invaluable. I'm still a member of the choir. That's not changing anytime soon. Um, I absolutely love the the crack that we have with the lads, and of course Edward Holly is our musical director. He's brilliant, so. Um, I'm, I'm still in the choir. For anyone that's down at Christmas Eve Mass and says, "Oh, Sean isn't here this year," it's only because I'm in Freiburg doing the opera.
1: Yeah, there you are. So you know now what the story is. You need me asking any questions? Um, the, <laughs> that's it. You, you you are a tenor, and and that that is where you're going with, with your voice. But tell me, Sean. Yes. You know, in terms of you know where you're coming from and going to, this just doesn't happen like that. You know what I mean? There's an awful lot of work in this, isn't there?
2: Absolutely, there there is. So, I, I, like, kind of, as you said earlier on, you know, I've I've always been kind of singing locally in town and with the choir, during my solo concerts in either the Art Centre or the Barbican, um, and that was kind of more on the pop side of things. Um, and Rachel Croche, who's a soprano, she was singing with the choir on a concert, and she she heard me singing and she said, you know, you should you should think about this seriously. You know, you could you could really give opera a go. So she gave me the phone number for my teacher. I gave him a call, and we started our classical singing lessons in January 2021.
1: Who's teaching you? Just tell us who's your teacher.
2: Yes. So my teacher is Owen Gilhuly Miles. Right. He's a baritone um, from Limerick originally, um, and he's had had a really good career, and he's teaching in the academy now. And um, so that's who, I, who I'm going to. And Dervla Collins is my coach.
1: Very good, you have two wonderful people there, with you. But as I said, it was spotted your voice, but you know, to work uh, to become a, a tenor and an established tenor voice, what are you talking about? typically how how much does this take every day week weekly, you know, tell us about that.
2: yeah, yeah, so there 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 is definitely work to be done every day um it, it's and it, some of it can be really boring and tedious just doing scales and working on on kind of technical things um like that but then i get my my two lessons a week with my teacher um and i'll also have a, an hour of coaching and um, every week and that's working on the material that i'll be performing so either the arias or the songs that really gets drilled in then
1: mm when when you made the the jump let's say when you when you decided look I'm gonna go for this full time and you're leaving behind a potentially lucrative career and, and a great one yeah. in law as well did you do that without hesitation or do you ever have you know when when you're going to make that decision was there any doubt in your mind
2: it, there there was there was always a bit of hesitation there I'm not going to lie it was a very scary. Um, a, a scary time to think I'm, I'm leaving a stable career I had been in LinkedIn at the time and I, I was leaving a stable career and, and kind of seeing where the projection of that could go to take a, a jump into the unknown um, with the singing but like well, I turned 30 in April and when I was having a think about you know the next 10 years when I turned 40 would I rather look back and say I really regret not taking the chances I had or be glad that I did. So that was the kind of big deciding factor was I have to follow my dreams and, and made that decision to do.
1: Oh, good on you, Sean. Good on you. Because, <laughs> you know, there is only one life. There is only one opportunity. There is only there regrets. Is you know, if you don't take that opportunity. There's a message just come to me. Do you remember this? Jerry? will you just mention to Sean that he's come such a long way since I saw him sitting and singing on his grandfather's desk in Clarehead Credit Union? oh my god those were the days (laughs) there you go that
2: that is so true any spare chance I had I'd be down with them.
1: (laughs) isn't that fantastic thank you whoever you are who sent that into us I think it's Peter that sent that one into us today thank you so much such a beautiful message lovely message there if you want to say anything 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text so what's the plan now between now and and opening night of, of the opera there what's your schedule
2: yeah, so uh, day off today, thankfully. So I'm getting to explore a bit of Freiburg. It's absolutely beautiful over here. Really, really beautiful city. Um, so it's nice to, to kind of meet some of the other singers that are, are taking part in the show. Um, and kind of just socialise a bit before the, the real intense rehearsal starts. So we go into the theatre tomorrow. Um, I start with a costume fitting and then it's onto the stage and start plotting out the show. Um, and that, that runs pretty much right up until until Christmas. We're we're off Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then back into the theatre um, the day after Christmas uh, or the day after Stephen's Day for our rehearsal with the orchestra on the stage. So mm, busy, yeah,
1: it's, busy it's, time. It's,
2: it'll be it'll be busy. Yeah. It'll be busy, but yeah. but I, I love it. I have to say there is a local I connection. Have it any other
1: way. No, not at all. There is a local connection as well. Fergus Scheele is conducting the orchestra.
2: Yes, uh, Fergus Sheil is our conductor for the opera. He's also the artistic director of Irish National Opera. Um, so Fergus would have been the the first person I auditioned for in a professional sense for for uh, Irish National Opera. So that's where the connection then came with the chorus, um, and then I, I I got the call to come on to to this show. Mm. Um, Fergus Fergus gave me a call so. I'm just so so happy to be here. Mm, you
1: mentioned really, really you mentioned Freiburg. I, I was having a look at it this morning. I, I I have a little bit of green jealousy in me. eye when I looked at the place, it's a medieval city. <laughs> it's absolutely it's a postcard, isn't it? It's a postcard picture, it postcard is, yeah. place, isn't it?
2: Yep, it re- it really is. And some of the cast were out um, two weeks before I've arrived um, and it had been snowing here at that stage so it really was a winter wonderland. So I'm hoping that come Christmas it'll snow again <laughs> because their pictures are just stunning.
1: Brilliant. And uh, the opera Rossini's William Tell, a famous opera, I was just looking about him as well. He wrote that opera and it was his last opera and, it, you know, it, it wasn't by any means because he was getting on in life or anything. He lived for 40 years after he wrote Not the title one. yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep, he he
2: he wrote tell, and then he finished up. He was like, I I I've, I've written all I have, all I have to write. And uh, he said all he had to say with his music. So that's that was the end of his composition for operas.
1: It's like the uh, those who write those great comedy or sitcoms and only write so many. I think of Faulty Towers and that as well. It's really not ever uh, replaceable. And and this guy felt exactly. the same. You know, he was at yeah. the end of the road. And and the arias yeah. and everything from William Tell are famous, very famous.
2: They are indeed, and I mean the the William Tell overture. It's the the one that anybody who would listen to it will associate with the horse racing. Yes, um, they they will know it. It's such a famous piece of music. Mm. Um, the opera itself is is wonderful. Everybody knows the the story of William Tell shooting the apple off his son's head, but mm. the opera goes into. To so much more it's just a fantastic work
1: a question there from a listener what's sean going to do for his dinner on christmas day are really concerned about you what are
2: you (laughs) going to do on christmas
1: day (laughs) well i'm i'm very fortunate
2: in that we do have a couple of other members from ino from irish national opera over here so we've set up a whatsapp group already for irish abroad for christmas and each of us is bringing a course and we're going to eat together so (laughs) I won't be completely alone, which is great. (laughs) There you are. (laughs) I'm on on starters, so if anyone has any
1: tips, let me know. (laughs) You needn't worry about it. You needn't worry about him. He's going to be well looked after (laughs) over there. Well, listen, you're just fantastic. We are so delighted for you because you've been a guest of mine on this show in the past. As I said, I've watched you develop over the years with the choir, and I always knew that music was your destiny. Go fly, young man. Thank you so much, Jerry, And and thanks for, so much for having me on um, Not today. All. Not at all. You're very welcome. And we're going to sign off with your colleagues from St. Peter's Mail Voice Choir. We're going to have a listen to them from one of their wonderful Christmas albums. It's a one you know well. Sean, happy Christmas and all the very best for the new year.
2: Likewise, Jerry. Happy Christmas to you and, and to all of your listeners. Thanks so much. Take care.
3: Let's go for a sleigh
4: ride, a wonderful sleigh ride. Come hurry along with the song in the wintry world to
3: glide.
1: We're into single figures now, Jerry. Just seven sleeps to go. Ho, ho, ho. Happy Christmas. I'm so excited. Jerry, to yourself and Louise from Santa's Little Helper. It's getting closer, all right, that's for sure. And as it gets closer, let me remind you that LMFM Christmas is on 24 hours a day. You can hear all your favourite Christmas hits non stop. Check it out on LMFM.ie or on the LMFM app. It's brought to you by White River Motorsports Park, Cullen County Loud, where you can experience the brilliant european standard karting track they've gift vouchers available just log on to whiteriver.ie for all the information or you can call them on 041 that's 041 what a lovely gift that would be for christmas a wonderful wonderful experience i have to say the kids' cards for Kelly. They just keep coming. We're going to do the draw this week. I think midweek or so. We'll do it for sure. Thank you to everybody who's made cards and has sent them into to us. One little girl has got in touch with me uh, by email. It's Eva Campbell. She's aged nine from Casico Hill in Clotterhead. They haven't been well out there over the last few days. And so she sent it in, a card into us by email. And it's lovely Daisy, her dog, and a lovely bone there. There's Holly and everything. We got it. And we'll stick your name in for sure. Thank you. Here's another one arrived this morning from Ellie Riley. She's age seven from School Lane in Dunleer. What a lovely card it is, Ellie. You're fantastic with your art. There's snowflakes on it. There's presents in boxes. Santa Claus is there at the back. Look, him at the back of the card holding up his big sack of toys, which he has for all the boys and girls. Oh, they were all really good this year. Everybody's going to get what they wanted for sure there's another one with an angel a tree a snowman on it from Saoirse Lawless thank you Saoirse for that one there two lovely ones here from the O'Reilly family in the league Sam O'Reilly in senior infants age 5 what a lovely card, with the, the elf on the front of it there. And Reese O'Reilly has also sent me in a card, aged nine, on the front of that, a snowman, a tree. And Santa and the reindeer, up in the sky, flying all the way to Ireland. Absolutely fantastic. You're great people. You really are. Thank you for all the cards. I absolutely love them. And mentioning again our Christmas pods, there's still a little time. Uh, Drop Dead is uh, in the morning, say, mid-morning tomorrow, tomorrow morning, if you haven't got your pudding into us so and we're doing the Christmas pudding judging but I'm not the women our women with opinions are on Wednesday right here on LMFM's late lunch and I have a massive hamper I mean this hamper is absolutely huge to give to the winner who picks up the title of best Christmas pudding in the Northeast. now we are going to make our first call abroad today on late lunch it's been a want on late lunch over the years and you've met this fella in the past and I'm delighted to say hello to him again he lives in a place that's about 45 minutes from the city of Rome, the heart of the city. Capranica is where he lives. It's in the province of Lazio, and I'm delighted to say hello again to Late Lunch. He's an avid listener to Tommy O'Rourke. Afternoon, Tommy. Good
5: afternoon, Jerry. How are you
1: keeping? I'm keeping really well and better for chatting to you today. Happy Christmas and all the best uh, for the new year to you and your family, Tommy. Good to
5: you and your family and all the staff at
1: LMFM, Jerry. Thank you for joining me once more, just again, uh, to talk about where you live in that lovely place of Capranica. You were telling me earlier this morning, how long did you say it is again, and what distance from the heart of Rome?
5: We, uh, there, we're living here now 22, almost 23 years, yep. and we're 56 kilometres exactly from the heart of Rome. God, you're not but far this- away. It's about
1: an old drive. Yeah, it's great. You're, you're very close by altogether. You mentioned 22 years you're there. You'll be 23 years. Is it on the 6th of April next year? Yes, around
5: that date,
1: yes. Now, come back. You're from Dundalk. You're a native of Dundalk. And I have to say, I love you. You, you still have the accent. You never lost <laughs> it. You never, ever lost it. Why did you go out there? Remind us again in the first place.
5: Well, the the thing about it was that I was only doing part-time work. In um, at the time, mm. and we had come here to Copranica for about five summers. Yeah, because my sister-in-law had a little apartment in the centro storico, which is the historical center of the village. Mm. It's it's surrounded by a wall, like it, like most villages in um, in Italy. They're originally uh, surrounded by walls to keep out the predators and keep the people in the city safe. Yes. so. We still have that here. It's a lovely, oh, it's beautiful, so it is. And um, we decided, after looking at it, my wife came over and had a look at houses and that and see what the prices were like. And we took it from there. We just took a chance. We decided to move. Lock, stock and bottle. That was it.
1: And you you had yeah. you the three children at the time, Emma, Ailish, and Christopher.
5: And still have them, Jerry <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to get rid of them. I even moved countries and all, and they still followed me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tommy, Tommy, you're brilliant. I know what I, I I know what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking about. People think you know when you have them little, or oh, they grow up and that they're always yours.
5: You know that. Yeah, you know that. No, they are they yes. all are very, very, very lucky. Like, you know, that, yes, yes. Um, my my niece or old niece, I should say lives with at the moment my oldest daughter is looking after, her. and um, because her mother uh, works abroad, yeah. At the moment she's she she's home there at the she's here at the moment to celebrate Christmas. We'll be all together. Lovely. But says uh, she has where she is at the moment.
1: Oh my word, isn't that fantastic? And Sheila, your wife, is still with you too. So Sheila and yourself had to make the big decision. Was it an easy decision, really? You know, what did you do? Remind us back in the dark. What did you work at? Where did you live?
5: Oh, I lived, originally I was from Fatman and down down Mahevanmore yep. area, and um, I used to be a bread salesman mm. for um, Boland's, McCann's, and in the 1970s Peter Lines.
1: Very good.
5: So. And then I joined the army and I was in the army for 21 years, 11 uh, 10 years of that was served in Dundalk, and 11 years were served in McKee Barracks in Dublin in the I was in the Defence Forces School of Culinary Arts for eleven years.
1: Very good. I Very-
5: I was the chief steward super and instructor of the Irish Defence Forces. So it was a, it's a great title, but it was really chief bottle washer, that was it.
1: <laughs> I was gonna to say to you, you know how to roast a turkey so
5: Oh I know how to kill one and roast <laughs> it and, and it's not edible. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have,
1: we'll have the animal crowd after us for sure. Anyway, no, don't even talk. Don't even go there. Um what was it to say to you? Uh, so look, you're you're really like long time settled out there. So look, give us a feel then for you know Christmas time in in Italy. How is it celebrated? You know what the build up this weekend into Christmas. What happens?
5: Well, the, it's it's lovely. All the villagers have their lights up and all already and. It's absolutely beautiful. They me- really make a good effort off it. But Christmas was not was never a great um, Christmas Day. Especially was never a great celebration here. Right. It, it's it's uh, the 24th of December. The families get together in the evening for dinner, mm. and it's fish and veg, no meat whatsoever, and that's the tradition. And um, this year we are heading off to my sister-in-law. She's a sister who lives in Montefisconia, which is about another hour's drive north from where we are. And um, I'm led to believe that the fish there, there'll be also some eel, so of will. Right. Roasted eel. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be an, an experience. I never had eel before. So then on Christmas Day, yeah, they do celebrate it, but it, it's not the, the big celebration here... And always will be is the sixth of January, La Bafana, the witch, and um, that's when they celebrate it. Sort of do it; it's massive here, so it is very, very big. And, well, um, and why so, Tommy? Had,
1: why why so that day? Why the sixth of January? What special? What are they celebrating?
5: Um, they're cel- like as we celebrate it, Little Christmas. Yes, but they're celebrating La, La Baffana. Um, the witch would come to like. Um, the kids that are good will get uh, a nice gift the kids that are are uh, not so good for the year will get some coal. Right. and that's how it, that's <laughs> that's the, the big tradition behind it I've lost i I'm not 100 percent sure yes but I- that's the gist of it
1: isn't that interesting that we're winding up really as such and that's our little Christmas day Nulag uh when you know it yeah. was uh, dedicated to the women who, who worked hard over the Christmas and the New Year but that is the big day there you have it in Italy the 6th yeah. of January is the big celebration and children uh, get their gifts or, or whatever so so Christmas day is, is just the day it just passes as well is you know when you think about when you went out there 22 now 23 years ago and the world that you left here and the world that you went went out there it's unrecognisable is it
5: oh yes yes i'm a, i'm in a village which has i can tell you exactly 6292 people living in it <laughs> <Lovely>. okay yeah <laughs> i've counted them all guys <laughs> Two six thousand 6292 not 291
1: not 293 nope. 292 yeah. okay Precisely. Unless
5: somebody died yesterday, they don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Say, we'll,
1: we'll have to look up <laughs> RIP.it or something to find out. No, go on there. Go on, go on. I stopped in your tracks.
5: And it's a lovely it's a lovely village. Really and truly we were, we were blessed to uh, here because for years, now, and I'm, I'm talking about years ago, but for years before that, the Irish Franciscans uh, Frans, Frans, used to come here to this village. Mm. And they'd stay for I think for three months, as far as I know, maybe a bit longer. Some of them and they used to learn, they were here to learn Italian. Yeah, and they, the community, they, they, when we moved first, they heard us speak in English, they thought we were English. And really and truly, it, it, um, the difference when they found out we were Irish, it was it nearly hugged you in the middle of the street. Mm. So it, the difference in. Uh, knowing that you weren't English, that you were Irish. Yes. And, of course, we are very similar to them here. We like our food. We like the music. Uh, family, you know, so it's great. Family life here is absolutely second to none, mm. you know.
1: So that, hey,
5: Jerry, that has... If you think, go
1: on, go on, go on. If you think
5: back to your, tra- if you think back to your childhood, yep. me and you are not exactly spring chickens. <laughs> That's how it is here now.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, that That's is, is. that is, is that is really lovely to hear because, you know, um, despite, you know, life uh, takes us in different directions away from our families and we're busy with work, especially and trying to make ends meet. But you're so right. Uh, when you think back and I think back, it was all about, you know, it wasn't about worldly possessions; it was about no. uh, the people around you closest to you, enjoying them and celebrating this time and I'm delighted to hear that 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 still holds because it we in many families it still holds here, but it it's quite different i and i I understand where yeah. you're going that oh by the way, on the eel front, just to let you know. I, caught, You know I do a bit of fishing, but in my day yes. I caught eels and I ate them as well with my late father, and Tommy you're in for a treat, eels are lonely Thank you very much for you're, time You're <laughs> in for a treat, I, I guarantee you that The other thing I wanted to say to you about where you live there, in that beautiful place it yeah. is it is beautiful um, hazelnuts, y, 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 there's a lot produced round where you live there, isn't there? Oh, yes, yes
5: so you get, yep. every field really has uh, hazelnut trees in it, that's it's very big here, and um, uh, they really do go mad all together with hazelnuts here, cooking them and all, you know, mm, mm. but um, it, they are great, I mean, there's no doubt about it. the amount of trees and the amount of um, farms that are here Yeah. <coughs> looking after hazelnuts, yes. Yeah, that's uh,
1: just. And the, the-,
5: the symbol here, the symbol here is the goat, you see. Right. Right? Capra, like goat. Yes, um so... That's a symbol of Cappanica, the
1: goat. And do they eat goat, kid goat? Is that a, is that a, is that a popular dish?
5: I've never had it here, but I'm sure it could be all right. Again, you know a, I mean? it is.
1: again, Tommy, I'll give I, you I'll give you a little tip on that. Kid goat is lovely. It's like lamb. If you like lamb, you like yeah, kid goat.
5: I, I did eat kid goat once in the Lebanon. Oh, did you?
1: When you were out there on, yes. on on a tour, was it?
5: I did three tours in ninety two, ninety four, ninety five, and ninety. Oh, sorry, 82,
1: 84, 85 and 94. Very good, very good. You're part of your time in the army. Um, Come back to the Christmas thing. And yes, you know in Ireland, turkey's still big here. You know, uh, this week, uh, everyone's uh, flogging turkeys and it is still the centrepiece of the dinner. And you know, the stuffing and the trimmings and the roast buds and all that type of stuff. Um, Do do you you ever yearn for that, to have that again? No,
5: I don't, because we can get it here... um, I, I can't get a big turkey, but I can get a turkey that's big enough that will um, will feed a lot of us. No, we still have our traditional turkey and ham and butter sprouts and the whole lot, yes. Good on you.
1: Good. I, I thought you'd abandon it for the fish and the veg no. and the eels and kid goat and everything. That's great to hear. So the turkey yeah. is still a big thing in the O'Rourke family in Italy.
5: It is indeed, great. massively.
1: Great, great. And we even,
5: we even make sure that during the winter we're having coddle as well.
1: <laughs> 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 now, now, I mentioned your family. Sheila, of course, is is your wife. Children, Emma, Ailish, and Christopher. I have to say hello to your lovely little granddaughter, Eva. She's 10. She,
5: she will be 10 in, in, in February.
1: Great. So she's 9 yes, going she'll. on 10. Very good. And she's all excited, I'm sure, about the Christmas. Oh,
5: yeah. She's she's over the moon all together about it. And It's great. It's nice to have a young child in the family. And it really takes Christmas all back to you. You know what I mm. mean? The way
1: yeah.
5: it, it's supposed to be. It's about the kids.
1: Yes, yes. <coughs> what, what about back home? And who's back home here, family-wise?
5: Family-wise, I have a sister who's living in a Thai, Marie, and her husband, Martin. And uh, they they have four children and their grandchildren. I think, if a memory says right now, she has 12 grandchildren. She has a football team with a sub
1: she has indeed. <laughs> Twelve, my God, she's many. So, so Marie, Marie is in the Midlands. Anyone in Dundalk? Have your re- relations still in Dundalk?
5: Only, only, in laws. Right. Well, they like to call me the outlaw.
1: <laughs> I can, <laughs> un- I can such a understand why Tommy. No disrespect. You know what I mean. Like a bit of crack. That's all it yeah. is. <laughs> so, so yeah. who are the in laws? What, what's Sheila's family's name?
5: Originally, Sheila originally was McCarthy, but they were originally from Mullingau.
1: Right, okay. And
5: she moved. They moved to the Dundalk because her, her father was actually in the army as well, and they moved because of his. Um, he was moved to Dundalk, so he was. So. Yeah. But uh, she has a niece in Dundalk, the Red Barnes Road. Right. And she has two ne- two nephews in Hill Street in Dundalk.
1: Lovely, lovely. Well, that's there's still connections there. But really, from yeah. your own family point of view, Italy is home and has been for a long time, and that's where it's at now and forevermore.
5: Oh, yes. Well, I'll, I'll never be back to Ireland, never. i come back on holidays, Jerry. but... yeah. Um, as a man says, I'll, I'll be doing
1: my final days here. <laughs> well, listen, you're in a beautiful part of the world. You really, really are. We have a great draw. My, myself and my wife are Italy as well. And hopefully we'll, we'll see Italy in the coming year. Uh, please, God. But look, I just wanted to say hello to you at time. Thank you. You're a great Thank listener you. to LMFM Radio. I know that. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. Happy Christmas to all the O'Rourke's out there. Have a great time. And please, God, we'll be in touch in the new year, Tommy
5: thank you very much and thank you very much for having me on the show it's lovely not nice Italian. to chat to you
1: Jerry thank you indeed Tommy lovely to chat to you God bless take care that's Tommy O'Rourke right. bye bye talking to me from Capranica, a lovely little place uh, not far from Rome in Italy and we will be making more international calls on late lunch as the week moves on that's the jingle bell that's the jingle bell Yes, uh, that's uh, the Jingle Bell Rock there from Bobby Helms on Your Late Lunch this Monday afternoon of Christmas week. Our final week of the year on Late Lunch. We're with you until Friday afternoon and of course a week today is Christmas Day. Uh, Hey, Sean. That's uh, Sean Tester, who is with us top of the show, just picking up on this one here. Sending love from all your friends here in Drahada and your LinkedIn family from the Cashmans and Minchins listening here. We are so proud of you, mate. Thanks indeed for that lovely message. Uh, We will pass it on to Sean uh, and he'll be delighted, I'm sure. What a great guy he is. Dennis McArdle. How are you, Dennis? Happy Christmas to you and all the very best for the new year. The wonderful Dennis, referee and observer at League of Ireland football matches. Uh, great guy, Dennis. He really is. Lovely. I'm thrilled to get the message from you today, Dennis. And Dennis has just been on to say, I've just been listening to Tommy O'Rourke on your show. We went to school together, Jerry. I haven't seen Tommy in more than 40 years. Can you wish him a happy Christmas, from myself i will indeed dennis and i know uh, tommy is tuned in in italy as we speak listening in and uh, i'm sure he'll pick up on that one dennis McCardle sends you all his best he remembers you from school days i love those messages i really really do on the sporting team well i suppose at the weekend the gunners won the top of the table again i'm a happy camper I'm still not sure I'm still not sure I have to say really but the big game yesterday I watched it Manchester United at Liverpool and everyone thought Liverpool were going to trash them not in your life it never works like that no matter how each side is going United stuck at it they were on the back foot for sure but they had the better chances they could have won the game but there you go anyway United fans will be happy with a point at Liverpool they're in a difficult space at this point in time and I'm sure Liverpool thought they were going to walk that game big one next weekend Liverpool-Arsenal at Anfield. Yes, that's the big one next week. The Gunners are going to have to show the credentials. But anyway, we'll see what happens then. The Premier League going strong all over the Christmas. And I want to say a big congratulations to Dart player Keen Barry. Well done, Keen. We were in Malaheid on Saturday evening enjoying a night out and we were watching you on the television and you won. And he plays Michael Van Gerwen next week only probably one of the greatest players ever in the world of darts but no pressure and keen. I heard him on the sports there with him no pressure at all we wish him all the best of luck tomorrow we'll be rooting for him all the way you would late lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday of Christmas afternoon and up next in the show he hasn't been with us for a while he's the most fantastic guy he really is Alan O'Donohue is here and he's produced a wonderful new workbook for teenagers. It's stressful for teenagers any time of the year, but especially Christmas, New Year, uh, it is tougher. And he's here to talk about his new workbook called, I like it, I really do like it, called Damn Your Anxiety. Stay with us in late lunch. Delighted to welcome my next guest back to the show. It's been all too long. You'll remember he was a regular with us and on parenting and he is the man behind cacoaching.ie and helpmetoparent.ie and he's back because he's produced this wonderful workbook called Damn You Anxiety and it's aimed at teenagers and he's co-written it with Miriam Norderman, Alan O'Donoghue. It's great to see you on Late Lunch again.
4: Thanks for having me back, Jerry. It's great to see you.
1: Oh, yes. It's been too long altogether. Uh, you dropped this into me last week and I've been through it a few times and I really have enjoyed it and I do see the point of it. I suppose you say it in the in the early part of this book. Um, if you handed this to a teenager, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They probably say to you, hey, dad, I'm What's the crack here? How, how do you respond to that, you know, with a young person when you say, look, I think you should take this and have a look at it?
4: Yeah, so I think we always wanted to get this book in the hands of teenagers, but we wanted to talk to teenagers in the book, not talk as adults talking to teenagers, telling them what to do. So what we wanted to do was just make it as accessible as possible, which I think the first line in it is something like you're probably thinking, why did they give me this book and what the hell is wrong with them? Um, but I think that's the big thing. Like yes. you know, by In all my years of working with young people, you have to break down that barrier of being the adult telling a child what to do, because they're used to that. It happens all the time. So, what we want to do is make it as easy for young people to, you know, take that pressure off themselves and, and dip in and out of something that can be very beneficial in helping them manage those little stresses, but also the big stresses in life. Logosynthesis,
1: am I might pronounce it right? Or logosynthesis. Logosynthesis, and logosynthesis yes. is, is a term that, you know, you yeah, say is really underpinning this work, both your works here. What is it? Explain.
4: Yeah, so logosynthesis is a method of working with uh, traumas and blockages and and challenges that we all have, and it's one of the most amazing ones that I've ever come across. So I'll give it the simplest example, Jerry. I I used to hate lifts. Um, I had serious claustrophobia and my mother Mary uh, went off and got trained in logosynthesis and said to me, do you want to get rid of your fear of lifts? And I said, no, I'm grand walking 20 flights of stairs. It keeps me fit and keeps me healthy. But anyway, I thought, well, I don't want my kids to kind of get the same kind of fears. and wonder why dad's taking the stairs while we're getting the lift. Uh, so I went and got trained in it and I thought it could help with the clients that I work with. And we had a session, myself and Mary, and I walked out going, I still don't like lifts. So I went straight up to Southgate Shopping Centre, walking up to the lift going, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be awful. I'm going to feel really anxious and nervous. Pressed the button and I didn't get the fear. But it's a glass lift and I was never quite as bad in a glass lift because if it got stuck, I'd be fine. So straight off down to Scotchall Shopping Centre, walking up to the lift going, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to feel really, really anxious. This is going to be terrible. Got in, pressed the button and I didn't get the fear. And that was about 13 or 14 years ago, Jerry. And I I get lifts all the time. I've probably had maybe four or five occasions since then where I've got nervous in a lift, but that's usually the really old ones that mm. it takes ages for to open up. So then I got my training in it and started to use it with the clients that I'm working with. So I've worked with people who've got severe traumas around, you know, um, past bad experiences. But I've worked with children who couldn't sleep. I've worked with children with food um, issues. And usually, not all the time, we're not saying it's a perfect science, but usually it is a really positive outcome where they can sleep a bit better. They can try a few more foods. They can... So it's not just the severe traumatic experiences, it's also the little things as well. And we talk about, in logosynthesis, it's the power of words. So we use the power of words to shift the the blockages that we all get. And people will go, Alan, how the hell can words get rid of the blockages that I have? But... We all know that when people say not nice things to us, we remember it. And it makes us change our behaviours. It makes us feel something bad well beyond when something has happened. So I remember I had a teacher in, it was a principal in school, who had said to me, we'd done these standardised tests and said to me, you're not good at maths. And I had always been grand at maths, Jerry, and I thought I was quite good at maths. And after that moment, my maths results dropped significantly for the rest of my school life. And while I wasn't thinking about that all the time, I took on that belief at a really impressionable age and that's what we do as children. We take on beliefs about the world to help us survive because we don't know how to survive as kids. That can severely influence and negatively influence how we live in the here and now. And I work with adults who are the same age as me in the 40s, you know, same age as yourself, Jerry. Mm. you know, in his 30s. And <laughs> Thank you. You're and- <laughs> my favourite guest of the year. <laughs> But yes, people, I know people will still it. hold on to those beliefs that they took on yes. as a child. Mm.
1: And, and you know, as I read this, that penny—you know—the way that penny sometimes drops with mm. you—that somebody says something that is said and is gone. Well, you think is gone, but it isn't. It's it 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 sinks in there. Yeah. And I I I actually understand now what you're saying. And it's there. And it's
4: there until. It's unblocked, so to say. Exactly. And, we, you know, logosynthesis is an energy therapy, essentially. And we are energy. Like, we mm. operate on energy. That's how our bodies work. And our energy is either in flow or it's blocked. And if it's blocked, then we're not going to be as working as well as we can do in the here and now. Yeah. And those are the blockages. The things people say to us, the things that people do to us, the, the, our, our interpretation of situations that could be completely wrong, but we take them on and they stick with us. Yeah, words,
1: words. You know that, and it's in your book. The old saying: six and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me." That's absolutely bunkum. Absolutely rubbish, isn't it?
4: Absolutely rubbish. Yeah.
1: And you say this in the book that, mm. that 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 saying that was said is it? Words really do hurt and have an effect, and we, we carry them on with us. I suppose when you when you think of you know uh, and 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 I, all our children, your children, my children who are adults now and grandchildren or whatever. All you want for them, and you say this in the book, all, all I ever wish for my family is happiness, health, and
4: that they get on in life. You,
1: you know what I mean? Is that a commonality the world over?
4: Absolutely. Like any parent I've ever worked with, they will always say, the biggest thing I want for my kids is for them to be happy. But but happy in, in, in a way that we think they should be happy. Yes. And why we wanted this workbook for teenagers, not for the parents, is because this empowers the teenagers to figure out what is the best way forward for them rather than what they think their parents think they should do. Yes. So it's all about empowering them because as parents, look, none of us want our kids to be hurt or sad or upset or have bad things happen, but that's their journey. And one like you'll know this yourself, Jerry. One of the hardest things is seeing your kids going through a challenging time and not want not actually jumping in and rescuing them and trying to make things better for them because we can't, they need to go through their journey. But with workbooks like this, what you're doing is you're giving them something that they can utilize the whole way through their life. So, although it's aimed at teenagers and young adults. Anyone could use this, Jerry. You could use this. I can use this. Oh, I do I use it. this. I
1: see it. I see it.
4: And and, and it, it is the the tool that we can dip in and out of as we go along throughout our lives to get rid of those things that pop up every so often or that rear their head. Like we're coming close to Christmas, and Jerry, how many times have we spoken about Christmas conflict in the in the family home? But people can be apprehensive and nervous about Okay, we're all going to be here together and we know there's a little bit of conflict here or a little bit of stress here or what's going to happen. So although people talk about the best time of the year, it can be really stressful for a lot of people. Mm. But what the the workbook, what we hope is it is going to do is help people reduce the level of anxiety that they experience. So if your worst case is 10 out of 10, Jerry, and this workbook helps you get it down to a 5 out of 10, Well, that's so much better. Massive.
1: It it is huge. Come back to that point of trying, and I'm I'm a devil myself at this, I always try to make things better. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I suppose it's just a natural instinct as a dad or a mam or somebody who has children. As you say, you want all to be good. And it's not, I understand what you're saying. People have to work through their own situations. Mm -hmm. Is it wrong to try and help? Is it wrong to try and...
4: Look, I I believe, Jerry, that we... We live in a world now where people will say things are either wrong or right and there's no middle ground and there's always a middle ground. And we have to recognise that. So it's not wrong to help your kids out, but it's, it's not in their best interest for you to jump in and try and do everything for them. And because, look, for years and years and years, I will work with people and they'll talk about bloody snowflakes, can't cope with anything in life. You know, they're in their 20s and sure they're crying at the drop of a hat as if it's their fault. But all that's happened is that they've had somebody swoop in from when they're very small and make everything all right, fix everything for them. So they never learn that they can handle things for themselves. So actually what we've got to do as parents, and it is hard, but we have to take the step back and say, ask our kids, do you want my help? What can I do to help you? And they might go, nothing. And as hard as it can be is maybe to leave them to it because, look, the simplest, thing that, simplest way I describe it is when your kids were small, you didn't put them standing on their two feet and let them take one step and fall on their arse and go, that's it. We're never doing that walking thing again. That's far too dangerous. You didn't. You let them take two steps and they fell down and three steps and four steps until they could do things for themselves. And I will always say to parents, one of the biggest things we have to do is walk alongside our kids and help them when they need some help to clear away the path in front of them, but let them know that we trust them enough that they can do it for themselves and if they need a bit of a hand, they can get it. And we don't get it right all the time and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do it wrong at times. That's okay too.
1: Fantastic. You're, you're just so reassuring. I want to take a short break. I, I want you to stay with me. This book, uh, workbook, Damn Your Anxiety, Damn You Anxiety, Damn You Anxiety, where can people get it?
4: So you can get it on Amazon and I'm working at the moment to get it into local bookshops as well. Um, so people, oh, and they can contact me directly as well and yeah. I could send them an old signed copy as well if they yeah. wanted.
1: <laughs> I want to come back to something we we're talking about there just before the break. You mentioned snowflakes and that and in the book it, it really touches on this big time. The ability to be resilient and overcome setbacks, is that due to you know what I was talking about, helicopter parenting or trying to intervene and make everything right.
4: It's not just down to that, is it? It's not just down to that, but it it would be definitely a a major factor. So when we're jumping in consistently and taking the responsibility away from our children, what we're essentially doing is we're disempowering them from learning to do things for themselves. And one of the um, theories that I work with a lot is called the drama triangle. And anyone who knows me will know I talk about it. And it was created by a guy called Stephen Carpen. But in it, there's a negative triangle and you can be in the rescuer role, the persecutor role or the victim role, and we bounce around them. But the rescuer is the person who does everything for everybody and they make sure everybody's OK and they keep doing everything for everybody and then they get tired and they slip into the victim role. And say, here I am doing everything for everybody else and no one's asking, am I OK? And then they jump into the persecutor. Right, that's it. I'm done. I'm never helping them ever again. Good luck. And then they feel guilty, I'm sorry, let me do everything for everybody, take care of everything. But the rescuer feels like they're doing the right thing. And a lot of parents will be in that rescuer role when their child is upset, when their child is hurt. And it's natural because when we see emotion, we will respond with emotion and we'll actually miss the learning opportunity because we want to make our children okay. But if we always swoop in into that rescuer role, we disempower our kids from learning how to do things for themselves and recognizing that I can climb up the side of the sofa and take four more steps and be okay.
1: It's such good advice. It really is. It's sound advice. And I can see that triangle. I, <laughs> I just picture it there. I could envisage it as you were speaking there, yeah. you know. Um, anxiety, the book says, damn you, anxiety. And Anxiety, as you know, and comes from three aspects. The past, mm-hmm. and you can have that within you and you have to live in the present and there's an anxiety with the present. And then, of course, we're looking into the into the future. Mm -hmm. I just want to say to you that in life I've learned this, that no matter what, in in, in most cases, the future is never as bad as we might feel today. Can you comment a bit on that and those three aspects, past, present and future?
4: Yeah. So how I work is that I work off the premise that anxiety is an emotion of the future where we worry about the worst case scenario taking place. And we never think about the best case scenario. And usually the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Now, people will talk about being anxious about the past, but actually we can have, what we do is we pull the experience from the past and put it into the future as if it could happen again. Okay. And when we are not in the present, like actually when we're in the present, most of the time, unless we're in a really dangerous situation, we're okay. So you and I could... I've come into this conversation today and been distracted, and you know both of us worrying about going home because we're going to get into an argument with our partners, but when we 're actually present we're okay like right now we're okay, Jerry, and this is all there is because the past is gone, and the future hasn't occurred yet, but what we do in the here and now can influence that, so the more we we start to look at what do we need to do right now to make us feel okay the the better we will be able to manage those stresses, and they don't seem as bad as they used to. And like with any parent, I'll always say to them, if you've got a child who's a bit of a worrier, get them grounded, because that helps us get into the here and now. Whether that is through breathing, whether that is through visualization, it's such a simple technique to get somebody grounded. All of a sudden, what happens is stress starts to leave our bodies. Now, it might come straight back in, but it's about practising that process of just de-stressing ourselves as best as we can. And again, we're not taking responsibility for our children's emotions. We're teaching them how to manage the emotions for themselves so that they will be able to handle it for themselves as they grow up.
1: This time of the year, you mentioned, you know, coming to Christmas and into the new year and schools are out and that as well, you know, for a couple of weeks. It, it It is a time where people say anxiety goes through the roof. Is that is that a fact or is that just thrown out as a
4: cliche? Absolutely, it's a fact for so many people. So there'll be stress and worry about gifts, about money about the dinner, about coming together with the family that you mightn't have seen in a few weeks or months or years. And there's also the big excitement that comes with that. But there can be that bit of concern. What if things go wrong? And I think there is um, an unwritten uh, something in the atmosphere where it's like it's the most wonderful time of the year, Jerry. We have to enjoy it. But well, what's that actually look like? Because I think for most people, they would never spend so much time with so many people in sh- such a short space of time at any other point in the, in the year. So we're making efforts to go and see people and meet up with people that we haven't seen. And because we're off and everyone's wrecked, Jerry. <laughs> it's like the school teachers are wrecked. The students are wrecked. The parents are wrecked. The grandparents are wrecked. Everybody is wrecked. And for me personally, I love Christmas doing nothing not going and seeing loads of people not getting in the car and driving across the country to make sure I catch up with people because I can't I just need to slow right down and just spend some time with my little family and you know th- those of us that are those that are around close by I don't need to be traveling up and down but yet yeah, we put this stress on ourselves to to make it fantastic and then parents put themselves under a lot of stress financially mm. with the with their children as well and that one of the other things I'll say is It's okay for your kids to not have everything that they want, because one of the the ways we learn about the world not giving us everything we want, because you and I, if we walked out and said we fancy that lovely car across the road, we can't just go and take it. There's natural consequences. But if we constantly buy things that our kids want or get them everything that they want, then they don't recognise that. Life just actually isn't like that. So we're not preparing them for life on their own without us being there to make everything okay. Um,
1: I congratulate you on writing this book in the language of teens as well <laughs> <laughs> like <yourself and> Miriam <laughs> have yes. you know stepped down on the terms in it as well you know what I mean it's going to resonate it's going to connect with teens as well I really like it Alan I really do Damn You Anxiety is the name of the book by Miriam Norderman and Alan O'Donoghue we have two signed copies I'm giving you mine I'll give it away to you uh, because I don't have teens myself at the <laughs> minute uh, Alan will sign it as well if you'd like a copy copy of this anonymously and in confidence you don't have to give me your name your I won't be reading your name out on the air or anything like that we'll just send it out to you we have two copies of Alan's book to send out to you all I want you to do is whatsapp or text me the word anxiety with your name and details and we'll pop them in the post here and if you have someone you think might use this a teenager or ever I highly recommend it I wish you well with it Thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch today. It's great to see you again. Happy Christmas. And we'll talk more frequent in the new year, Alan (laughs) O'Donoghue. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. My word, what a response we've had to my conversation with Alan O'Donoghue about his new workbook for teenagers called Damn You Anxiety. It's one of the biggest I've ever seen. It just brings it home to me, um, the issue that anxiety is out there with young people. We've picked two of you. Uh, I promised I wouldn't mention anybody's names and the books, uh, workbooks are on their way to you this evening. Alan mentioned that it's available on Amazon. It's called Damn You Anxiety is the name of the book. And he's working hard to get it into bookshops uh, across the northeast as well. There is certainly a demand for that book I have to say and thank you so thanks again Alan uh, for joining us on the show this afternoon now uh, the 12th of January at the TLT Theatre in Drogheda take it to the limit big concert celebrating the Eagles have a listen to this well
4: I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load i got seven
1: Ah, Yes Take it easy Was the answer I was looking for The Eagles song Thanks to everybody Who got in touch There's big Eagles fans Out there There really is Irene Goodwin Those uh, tickets To the concert in the TLT Are yours today I'll have more To give away tomorrow And the next day To that concert Now Let's do this On Late Lunch
5: Five Four
4: Three Two One Counting down The top five songs From this week Of yesteryear And today, it's...
1: My personal number five in my own top Christmas song countdown. Now, this is mine. I've taken charge of this this week. I'm entitled to it, aren't I? I really am. These are my five top Christmas songs... Next year, they could be different. No, no, no. I'm only joking there. Some of them will always be there. I think they'll nearly always be there. Anyway, um, I've gone back and I've come up to the present and you'll be hearing my top five at this time on the show each day this week. Today's song goes back to 1951. It was written by Meredith Wilson. It's been recorded by many artists. It was a hit for Perry Como, The Fontaine Sisters, Michael Ayers and his orchestra, Bing Crosby recorded a version... But for me, the definitive version of this song was released first in 2011 but re-released from his Christmas album in November 2012 when it became a huge hit in this neck of the woods. Yes, it's Mr Michael Bublé and it really is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I love this version of the song and I love Bublé. I really do. You know that anyway. Been to see him a number of times. But Christmas and his album is played incessantly in our house in the kitchen as I do all the cooking and get ready for the big day, which will be this day next week. And this will be playing in the Kelly household. It's my number five in my top five Christmas song countdown.
4: It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go. Take a look at the five and ten, once a more.
1: Oh, simply beautiful, hasn't he? A velvety silky voice. Mr Michael Bublé there and number five in my top Christmas countdown of my personal Christmas songs this week on Late Lunch. Final break of the afternoon and up next I'm joined by a Dunboyne clergyman who's doing his bit to help overcome poverty in the world. My final guest today is Curate Assistant of the Dunboyne and Mallone Group of Church of Ireland Parishes in County Meath, the Reverend Philip McKinley. Happy Christmas. Welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. I'm trying to make the connection between a sari star and Christmas. Please tell us.
3: Oh, it's beautiful sari stars and these are specially made and embroidered in northern Bangladesh. And there's a wonderful organization called Christian Aid Ireland, which a number of the Church of Ireland parishes have supported for many years. And they're doing a special Christmas campaign focusing on a a women's group uh, that make old, you know, these sari dresses beautiful. You see them in India and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Beautiful uh, dresses. So old saris is a kind of upcycling, a recycling project. uh, And what they've done is they've worked with some of the uh, vulnerable women in northern Bangladesh, and they've helped them create a social enterprise uh, so giving them some resources to help sell their uh, their crafts I love it. project this
1: year. I love it. I really do love it. I think they're beautiful as well. I'm looking at you here, smiling at me, uh, holding one of the stars. And, uh, you know, as you said there, there's many positives to this. It's helping people who need help to get themselves uh, up and going. And as well as that, you're upcycling, recycling uh, materials as well, which is all in vogue at the moment. Um, This project out there is called Aid Camilla. And they're, they're Christian Aid's local partner on the ground there they really do make a difference don't they in in, in women's lives
3: huge difference and we've just come off the back of COP28 and we've seen the world leaders gather in Dubai and discuss these things in terms of from an international perspective but it's really important to also think about climate change from a very very local perspective Mm. and to drill it down into particular areas and give us case studies so northern Bangladesh, we know Bangladesh is incredibly vulnerable and incredibly infected by climate change because of it being uh, low-lying. So it has had a number of floods in this particular uh, area of the two main rivers, Darla and uh, Jumana. And, uh, and as a result of so the effects of climate change, there's also a lot of societal pressures. Uh, In this particular part of northern Bangladesh called Kurigram, there's a very high rate of um, underage marriage. Uh, So it's a very, very impoverished district. Uh, In fact, nearly 22% of all women are married before the age of 15. So it's really with projects like this, social enterprises... Uh, Equipping, empowering uh, young vulnerable women—that we can make a really big difference this Christmas time. So it's a it's a wonderful project to support.
1: How do people support you and your Sari Stars?
3: Well, the website uh, Christian Aid, uh, their website is caid.ie forward slash Christmas, and you'll see all the um, donation opportunities there, and also uh, some more information about it. So just go onto the website caid.ie forward slash christmas and your support will be most appreciated
1: uh, yes and, and and what you mentioned there you know marriage is under 15 poverty uh you know my word do they need help they certainly do i suppose in a more general sense uh, as a clergyman people listening to us t- today philip look at the world we live in and what's happening in gaza and ukraine and i've mentioned this before i think there are 55 conflicts going on around the world it's, uh, you know, it's Christmas, but it's, it, it, you just can't get away from that.
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the big, big themes of Christmas is light coming into darkness. So there is a lot of darkness in the world at the moment. There's darkness on a global level. There might be darkness in our family. There might be darkness in our local communities. But a darkness doesn't win. The light overcomes the darkness. And if we let the darkness take over in our own heads even uh then 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 our our worldview and everything is clouded by that we need to let the light uh in and let the light win uh so that that is a huge part of the message of this season um and yes that's not to shirk the huge challenges that face us on planet earth climate change war conflict displacement uh, but we need to be a people of hope. And that's a big, big, big message of Christmas.
1: Yeah, and thank you for uh, saying those words because people I know genuinely from where I sit here are struggling at this time when we watch the news each evening and it, it's generally always, you know, downbeat and it's shocking. And we, I have to tell you, from my perspective, I walk away, I just can't take much of it anymore. But you're saying today we've got to cling to that hope. That is the message of Christmas you're sending out today here.
3: Yeah, and hope is a very practical thing. It's not some sort of fluffy emotion. um, It's actually got tangible outcomes. A project like this is a hope project. There are things we can all do. Yes, you turn on your news. Yes, you pick up your newspaper and really you can feel fairly downhearted. But there are so many uh, immeasurable number of opportunities to provide hope. So let's invest our resources let's uh, uh, put our support into things that bring hope into the world that's really really important at christmas time
1: i love your message i appreciate you joining me today i say to listeners again caid.ie forward slash christmas philip star uh sari star and more is there you can help and it will be appreciated by people who really need our assistance doing something good you'll be thank you for joining me happy christmas to you and your congregation and community
3: Thank you so much and to you and yours.
1: Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Reverend Philip McKinley there uh, from the Dunboyne and Ratmaloyne Group of Church of Ireland Parishes in County Mead, bringing the curtain down on late lunch this afternoon. I want to say a huge thank you to uh, Brian Farley, who's been with me all last week and again today. Thanks so much, Brian, for everything you've uh, done for me on late lunch. I really appreciate it. Um, we say goodbye to you today. Eddie Caffrey's on the way. We're back uh, with the fourth last show of the year at 1:30 tomorrow on late lunch but we leave you with this one today and despite everything as Andy Williams sings it is the most wonderful time of the year once we come together as families and people and think of others as well we'll see you tomorrow for late lunch tuesday at half one have a lovely evening bye it's the most
3: wonderful time With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you Be of good cheer It's the mo-